Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I am your host, and I am so honored by your opportunity and your wise decision to join us today. As you can probably tell, I've got a little bit of a voice issue here. It looks like uh, the cold I caught when I was at Dream Business Academy in Annapolis, where I spoke on book launches, is kind of coming back to get me again. But that's nothing that's going to stop me from sharing brilliance with you and helping you win at the game of business and marketing. Our listeners, as you can guess by the name, are business creators. We have entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses. And on the other side of the coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you market and grow your own venture. If you're one or more of the above... Please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how we help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, be sure to check us out on iTunes. Do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated, helps us help more business creators just like you, and fresh content is added every single week. We're well over 100 episodes. We've been doing this for well over two years, and it's going to continue. Now, today... We're going to do something that's a little unorthodox, and I'm going to tell you just flat out, if my business coach found out that I was doing this interview, they would probably bat me over the head and ask me why I'm going off message. But what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you something that is so on message in a way that you haven't been thinking about that this will open your horizons and your vistas to a new way of thinking, not only about your business, but how your business supports your lifestyle. When we were approached a few weeks ago by Brad Baldridge of TamingTheHighCostOfCollege.com to come on Business Creators Radio Show, I originally was kind of reluctant because this isn't really marketing or growing your business, copywriting, social media, or anything like that. What Brad does is he specializes in late-stage college planning, which is you have a child who's maybe secondary school age, 16, 17 years old. They're going to be heading off to college probably in a year or two here. And maybe in your business, you don't have two dimes to rub together. Or you know that the savings you put together up in 10 now are just not going to cut it. Or you need to come up with a lot of money very quickly. And since I know that so many people who listen to Business Creators Radio Show are people with families, I know that many of our guest experts, of which we've had over 100, are people with families, many of the secondary school age. We know this is a very valuable topic, and much of what Brad is going to cover with us today are also going to be strategies that will help you get more leverage out of your business, help you increase cash flow when you need cash flow, whether it's for a college education or what have you, and show you how you can benefit from teaching your children and teaching your loved ones the way of the business creator. So just to tell you a little bit about Brad, he's a late-stage college planning specialist. He helps parents of high school students plan and pay for college using strategies such as merit aid, need-based aid, tax planning, savings, and investing for college, negotiating with college scholarships and loans. And we're going to get into a little bit of that because it is helpful. Brad's been a college funding consultant since 2004 and is the founder of Baldridge College Solutions. He's a certified financial planner and a member of the local and national chapters of the Financial Planning Association. He received his Bachelor's of Science degree from the University of Wisconsin-Platteville in 1990. 
and he's going to share with us today everything that I covered up until now and also some very interesting benefits you can get from involving your children in your business. Brad, welcome aboard. Couldn't be more happy to have you here. Hi, great to be here. Okay. Um, now, our listeners just heard me read off your official bio, but what I like to do here, just as a way of prefacing things, is just kind of take a step back and hear a little bit about your story and what brought you to the point where you are today. What is the driver behind your brilliance and passion around uh, late-stage college planning and what you do? All right. Well, I started, and still I'm a financial planner. So right. I work with a lot of clients trying to figure out how to retire and how to grow their business and all the, you know, how to protect their business and their family with life insurance and all the typical financial planning stuff. Right. Um, but I also started working with families that were saying, hey, we've got this college problem to deal with. And it was a simple problem to solve as a financial planner when the kids were young. You know, if you have a two-year-old you get out your calculator, you type in the numbers and say, all you have to do is save $426 a month for the next 18 years, and you're going to have this big pot of money to pay for college. Right. Of course, many families would hear that and say, but we don't have that. We've got daycare. We've got this. We've got that. And lo and behold, now you've got a 17-year-old, and you're saying, well, now how am I going to pay for college? Well, now when you do the calculations, now you need to save you know, 6000 a month, which for most families is completely unrealistic. Right. So I also noticed that kids were still going to college regularly, and I knew most families didn't have that big pot of money, so how were they paying for it? And they were using combinations of financial aid and scholarships and loans and savings and investing and all these different pieces of the puzzle to kind of build a college education. And I also noticed that most families were kind of stumbling through it, and they would do well in one area or another, and as the price of college got to be higher and higher, it got to be more important that that plan be the best it could be. You know, when I was young and paying for college, I could work hard in the summer and pay for most of all my tuition just by working hard in the summer. Right. That opportunity has gone away in most instances where the tuitions are so high that most kids can't work their way through college anymore. It's going to be a partnership with their parents. Yeah, that's so very I launched, you know, So I launched a specialty business where I help families with the late-stage college planning. Are you going to qualify for aid or loans or um, going to have to save and invest more or choose a more expensive college or a less expensive college or win scholarships or, you know, all the different things that you could do, tax planning. And, you know, so I started very much focusing on that area. And I've helped hundreds of families now figure out the overall college plan. The reality of college planning is there's lots of different things you can do. But for many families, there's only a few things that are going to work. You know, there might be 100 strategies, 10 of which are appropriate for your situation. And it might right. be a different 10 for your brother-in-law. So for most families, it's really learning the process and then executing on what you learn. And I think up until now, a lot of families kind of stumbled through college with, well, you know, this is first we do this, then we do that, and then at the end they show us the price, and if we, we you know, and we pay it because by that time it's too late. And I That's think very true. Being much more proactive is a big, big benefit. Yeah, and uh, one of the reasons why this is so relevant to business creators is when you're faced with the situation like Brad just described, that can put a real draw and a real sort of weight on 
what you're trying to accomplish in your business because now you have to scramble to come up with $6,000 a month or whatever number you're arriving at to put your kid through college. I, you know, Brad and I went to college during the same era and it is true back then, 20, 25 years ago, it was quite easy to work your way through college. Uh, I mean, if you had a summer job, maybe a part-time job a couple nights a week while you're in college, and then you also, um, uh, you know, you had a work study program, maybe you could become an RA or something like that. There were a lot of ways you could seriously defray the cost of that. But here in 2015, 2016, the price of college has gone up way exponentially beyond the increase in standard of living and average income. So it's become very difficult. Another thing to bear in mind is folks who are entrepreneurial many times don't have the cash flow that they need to support the business they're looking for anyway because they're still working on it. And they need to reinvest in the business and they need to make smart investments and they need to sometimes pace the growth of their business. That's one of my own challenges is sometimes my business has grown faster than it should have and I had to pull the reins back because uh, we were just the idea of building a strong foundation upon which your long-term business is going to stand. We're all about building mansions. We're not about uh, throwing up teepees and having them blow over in the wind. That's not we do here at Business Creators Radio Show. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're suddenly desperate to raise money for to fund a college education, to put it bluntly, you might start doing stupid stuff in your business and it could cost you dearly. Plus, you know, you have the opportunity to help your children pay for their college. Uh, with entrepreneurship, mating it with what Brad's going to share us today, you may very well be able to restore what we had 20, 30 years ago where it's possible for somebody to work their way through college. Uh, does that sound great or does that sound great? Brad, is that something you uh, think you could help us out with here a little bit? Absolutely. Let's get into it. All right. One question that I ask my audience, that I ask my guests before we get into the, the, uh, the bulk of the content, and our listeners know this question. You've kind of halfway answered it already, but I do ask this of everybody. Uh, here on the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. A lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement what they're told to do except for time and money. Now, this is a question we ask every expert who appears on our show. In Brad's case, we're talking about needing to come up with a lot of money in a short amount of time. But what I like about this is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So, Brad, if you could just elaborate for us a little bit how time and money play a role uh, with what you're going to share with us today. Well, that's a great question because that's one of the things that most people don't think about is – College is not only a financial investment, but it's a time investment. Um, on the student's part and on the parent's part, when you start throwing in the whole process of learning how it works, doing your visits, doing your testing and your test planning, visiting colleges, you know, building your saving and investing plan or coming up with an alternative plan if you can't save and invest, and choosing loans, and it is a huge amount of time. And for an entrepreneur that says, you know, I can charge $100 an hour for my time, Right. Or 200 or whatever. Maybe I could outsource how to figure out college, just like you might outsource other things. For other entrepreneurs, it's like, well, you know, maybe I got to put the time and effort into this so that I can do that as well. Now, there's a new component that I've just come up with that is a little unique. Not only is there a time investment and a dollar investment, but there's also what I call an emotional investment. 
Right. Most parents really want their kid to go to do the best they can, go to the best college, and best college is way open to interpretation, of course. Right. But they want the best for their kid, and they're invested in it. They want it to happen. And again, I think bad decisions get made. You mentioned, you know, raising dollars quickly. But I'll sit across the table with a parent, and they say, well, little Johnny deserves to go to college, and he deserves mm-hmm. this expensive thing. And I don't disagree. He does deserve it. He worked hard so far, and it's unfortunate that, you know, the dollars are holding him up or the right. planning is holding him up. So, and again, so a lot of times I see parents sign on for loans that maybe they shouldn't have or, or whatever it might be. Um, just because they're emotionally invested in the process and they want to make it happen. Right, precisely. So what I'm going to do now is, um, you know, we do have time here because we're a 60-minute format, is I'm going to ask a question that may have a couple different layers to it. Then I'm going to kind of turn you loose because there's so much that we can gain from this. Um, Now, college planning can be affected by a lot of factors. Um, Whether or not the person owns a business, you know, most of our listeners are entrepreneurs and business owners. Whether they have rental properties they invest in because a lot of our entrepreneurs are taking some of their profits and putting into real estate. Uh, Divorce is a common factor. Uh, Whether they have a high income or a low income, which is especially pertinent to the entrepreneur who has a limited liability company or through some other mechanism is quote unquote poor on paper, which is great for a lifestyle while remaining in compliance with the tax statutes, but can be very interesting when it comes to getting loans or mortgages or something like that. So uh, if you could tell us a little bit about how some of these factors play a role with college planning and what we can do about it now. Absolutely. So I think there's, when it comes to business ownership and entrepreneurs, there's two or three big areas that you could have an impact on. One is understanding how need-based aid works. Another is tax planning. And then, of course, the last one would just be generating cash flow that a typical, you know, I need to double my income next year, an entrepreneur can reasonably sometimes do that, whereas a right. W-2, I'm going to get a 4% raise next year. That's pretty much the best I can do, and I know it. You know, you're in a different position. So let's start with how need-based aid works, because that has a big impact on entrepreneurs. So need-based aid is the typical need-based scholarships, need-based loans, work study, a couple different things that you might receive because you need it. And now figure out if you need aid, it's based on the financial aid calculations and the FAFSA. Most of us have heard, at least heard of the FAFSA, where you fill out a financial aid form, they use that to calculate how much aid you need. Right. Now, the big factors on that form are income and assets of mom and dad, income and assets of the student, and the number of co- students that the parents are supporting. Right. So if you think about a business owner, income and assets, are both things that entrepreneurs can control a lot more, again, and plan with. You can say, I want my income to be high or low this year. You might be able to adjust things and make that happen. Uh, another important thing to realize is a lot of colleges, they don't look at the value of your business if it's primarily held in the family and less than 100 employees. So a lot of the entrepreneurs that are listening, you know, if you've got restaurants and brick-and-mortar type businesses or accounting services or construction firms, all those are out. Obviously, if you've got internet type businesses, there's, you know, not many employees. You're doing a lot of outsourcing typically, so those probably aren't going to count. So in a lot of cases, your business 
as an asset, you know, may be worth a million dollars, but for financial aid purposes, you're not going to report it, and it's not going to be counted against you. Now, there's a huge caveat there, and that is that's FAFSA rules. There's a few hundred colleges out there that do what's called the CSS profile, where they do ask about your business, and they may hold it against you. They don't have to hold it against you, but they're at least going to ask the question and get the data. So for a lot of business owners, depending on the college you choose, they may not even ask about the business. Other times, you're going to a particular college where they do ask about it, and they have this big, long business supplement form, it's called. And they want to know your depreciation schedules, and they want to know your income and your assets and your accounts receivable and your accounts uh -huh. payable. And it's a, it's a big, big project. Most people are going to take it to their accountant and say, hey, I can't figure this out. You've got to do it for me. Right. Um, and so that's another piece of it. But at some colleges, the business is ignored, again, if you meet the, the rules. So that's one big elephant in the room in that I've got $100,000 in my business. I'm thinking about taking a bonus. Okay, well, not when it was in the business, it's not an asset. When it comes out of the business, it is an asset. Maybe you time that bonus appropriately depending on your college situation. Right. You know, you may do things differently during the college years than what you might do prior to the college years or post-college years as part of a bigger plan um, because where the assets are matter. Um, but, of course, the flip side of that is, well, the assets in the business are what I planned on spending on college, so I've got to get them out in order to write the check to pay the tuition. Right. But there may be, you might choose to take it out prior to the years that you report or not. So I think that's one big area is the need-based aid. Now, we mentioned assets. The other thing is income. So they take your income based on your tax return. And from there, they add back in some, some tax-free income, which would be, so they add back in, you know, bond interest that might be tax-free. They add back in um, contributions to retirement. So if you ha earned $100,000, but you put 20000 into retirement, so your taxes went down to eighty, they're going to say, what did you contribute to retirement? And they're going to add it back in. So it's going to go right back up to uh, $100,000. Now, there's a subtlety there as well, and we'll get into that in a minute. But So you have control over your income, a lot of entrepreneurs, again, where you say, you know what, I'm going to take my bonus in 2015 because 2016 is a, is a tax year that the colleges will see. So I want to plan accordingly. Or maybe you'll bunch your bonuses and say, I'm going to take bonuses in 15 and 17 and 19, and then in 18 and uh, 16, 16, I'm going to be on relatively poor on paper, and those are the years where I'm going to get a lot of aid. And coincidentally, those are the years I have lots of kids in college. Isn't that funny, <laughs> knew, how, that, isn't right? that funny how that works sometimes? Yeah. Um, so looking at your... You know, how many kids they have and when you have them, you know, so there's, a, again, a lot of planning opportunity. Yeah. For the very high, you know, for the successful entrepreneur, now you're saying, well, I'm not going to qualify for aid. My, you know, I'm, the stuff showing up on my taxes are big numbers and I just not much I can do about it. I'm running a successful business. I would be foolish to destroy my business to get my income low enough just to get a preferred loan. I mean, that's right. You're much better off for the successful entrepreneur to say, I'm just going to have to pay the bill. But now you can do things like set up tuition reimbursement plans. And you know, a lot of large corporations have 
reimbursement plans that allow you to, you know, if you go, if you work for us, you go to school and you get an A, we'll give you a hundred percent reimbursement up to, a, you know, $6,000 or something. Yeah. If you get a B, we'll give you 80%. If you get a C or less, we're not paying. Yeah. Well, you can set that up in your small business too. You just have to know it exists and understand the rules. I mean, that's not wow. exclusive to large corporations. It's just that you have to understand that little section of the tax code and, and implement it. So what you're saying behold, here, who, if, if I can interject real quickly, I'm sorry, is uh, you could actually set up a tuition reimbursement program for your own company and have it apply to your kids. So if your kids were to come to work for you, and we'll talk more about that in a few moments, they could apply for tuition reimbursement from you. Yes. So mom uh, says, you know, if you get an F or better, I'm going to reimburse you. Yeah. Yeah, so you can make your own policy. So maybe you don't force them to get A's because you also want them to work in your business and, you know, and uh, tour Europe and everything else. Uh, or maybe they're just not A students, but you still want to get that money to them one way or the other. Exactly. Now, of course, there's rules. So every, you know, opportunity has its limitations. So right. a couple things come in. So there's attribution rules, which means a lot of times if the student's under 21, you may have some challenges. Right. Um, but so it may work for junior, senior year and grad school and other things like that. Um, and there's also you have to share it with all your employees. So you can't set it up. You know, in my case, I can't say, well, I'm only going to reimburse if your last name is Baldridge. Right. That's not a, uh, <laughs> a legitimate. It has to be fair. Uh -huh. So every, you know, so if you say, well, this is available for the entire marketing department, that might be okay. Or everybody oh, on the shop floor gets this. So you can discriminate from classes of employee, but you can't discriminate, you know, nepotism essentially is certainly not a legitimate way to discriminate. Interesting. So, interesting. So basically what you can do is, uh, I mean, and we're talking about if you have W-2 salaried employees, you can't just say only the Baldridges, you know, are eligible for tuition reimbursement. You can say, you know, maybe everybody who's a manager and up or, or maybe everybody who's in such and such a department or what have you, because it becomes a fringe benefit of being in that particular position. Correct. Exactly. Right. Or Right. If so, if you're covered by collective bargaining and you're in the union, you don't get it. But if you're part of non, you know, management or et cetera, then you do get it. Or you know, whatever. I right. mean, there's lots of ways that you can do it. It's just understanding the rules and figure out which one works for you. Okay. So for um, so for instance, if we had a restaurant, for instance, and uh, Junior was going to go to college, but we didn't want to give everybody who's making minimum wage the college reimbursement. Uh, what we would do is we would have Junior work as like a shift supervisor or something, and say that's it's a management perk, something like that. Correct. Okay. Or maybe Junior's in marketing, so maybe right. you've got a marketing and promotion versus the wait staff and you know people that are executing in the restaurant yeah you, so you say well we've got a you know an outside system outside marketing oh department i see that... i see so 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 your dear daughter molly could be the one who responds to the yelp reviews maintains the website answers the phone and questions and does customer support and everything else so she doesn't necessarily have to wait tables or cook the food correct right, right. yeah i mean that's another opportunity for you know to give you a couple examples i've had business owners say, you know, this is a marginally profitable, profitable product line that I would never have bothered, but I needed something for Junior to do. Yeah. So 
it, as it turns out, when you run the numbers, you know, me as the business owner, I'm not making a lot of money, but Junior is making a good living, you know, a good amount of money, you know, by running this particular line for me or doing this particular work. And it's enough, you know, we're making enough profit for me to at least break even. So, you know, it works good for us because there's 10 or 15 or 20 or whatever the number is flowing to Junior. Um, and something that I never would have bothered had I not had Junior around to do all the work to make it happen. Just like in any um, entrepreneurial venture, if you end up hiring a virtual assistant and they have this skill that you weren't expecting and you decide you want to add that to your business, you'll just turn them loose on it. And it becomes a revenue right. center you weren't even expecting. Right, exactly. Yeah. Which allows so, a child to work their way through college, so to speak. And you can also create that as being at a level in your organization that's eligible for tuition reimbursement. So there's two ways you can get money out of your business and onto your kid. Right. And, of course, there's lots of rules. So you need to talk with your – I'm going to put a caveat in here all the time. Right. Which is you need to talk to your tax guy and make sure you're doing everything, you know, by the letter of the law. And But, mo again, most entrepreneurs don't know that he exists, so they don't even look for it. Um, yeah, I never would have thought of that. So that's brilliant. Right. Yeah. So, so another thing to realize is hiring your children in the business. A lot of times you're just going to pay them a fair wage for what they're doing. You take a small restaurant operation, let's say a lot of owners in that situation, you know, their kids show up and bust tables on the weekends or they, you know, do the ordering or balance the books or do whatever they do. And, uh, -huh. They don't bother even to put the kid on the payroll. They just slip them 50 bucks and say, well, thanks for a hard day's work. Here you go. Go spend yeah. that on your cell phone or your date or whatever you're going to spend your money on. And they don't bother. Now, I would encourage them to put them on payroll and pay them well because what happens in that situation is typically the amount of you know income is finite in the business. So if you pay your kids, there's less for mom and dad to take home. Right. So mom and dad's income goes down. Now, as long as the kids don't earn more than six or six thousand dollars, and it's sixty-two hundred and something, it's a moving target because they index it for inflation. But small amounts of earnings under six thousand dollars for the students is not going to impact your aid calculation. Right. So if you take a restaurant owner who earns a hundred thousand dollars and has three kids, and all three kids show up and work, you know, one college kid or two college kids and a high school kid, let's say. And he pays them each five thousand dollars. Well, his income goes from a hundred thousand down to eighty-five thousand. Yeah. And what he would do, of course, then is say, "By the way, that five thousand dollars is not yours to waste. That's college money." Um, right. Right. Do so, good, so don't do good be, things with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then, but it's a win-win for everyone, then, right? Because now on the financial aid forms, going from a hundred thousand to eighty-five thousand may make a difference for aid. It will probably make a difference for taxes. Um, it certainly has the kids with some skin in the game. I mean, I think a lot of parents out there say, you know, my kid just thinks this stuff, you know, grows on a tree or something. They need to show up and participate in the business to learn how hard we work for this before we write checks for ten and twenty and thirty thousand dollars for college, and they just think it's, you know, no big deal. Um, so that's another benefit as well. True. Uh, um, so, yeah, so that's, I think, some of the benefits of, of uh, business ownership and college planning.
Right. Great, great. So what are some of the mistakes that people make to get them in the in the pickle in the first place? Let's back up a step. Right. So if now, I mean, if you just talk about some of the general planning situations is they don't start early enough. And that, I mean, that's pretty cliche. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, I think you need to be doing your entrepreneurial planning right. when you have high school students. So you can hire a kid into your business depending on labor laws and who you talk to, you know, somewhere 12 and up depending on the type of business you have. And, you know, if you've got maybe it have to be 18 if you've got dangerous machinery, um, but office work, you know, might be 16 or 12 and farm work might be, you know, so there's all different rules. So I don't, but at some point you can start and wherever yeah. that point is, perhaps you should start. And even if it's only small dollar amounts to begin with because they can't do much and then as they get older, they get more responsibility, that's fine. But right. then on top of the that planning, I think there's serious college planning that everybody has to do, whether you own a business or not, that starts maybe early junior year or late sophomore year, which is how are we going to figure this process out? Are we going to go, attend the local college and we've kind of already – you know, so it's got a very limited scope. Or are we thinking about going all over the nation? If you're saying, well, I, you know, I live in Chicago, but I'm thinking about going to school in Texas or California or maybe the East Coast, and now you're saying, well, I've got to visit all those places. Yeah. Potentially. And figure that out. It's like, okay, well, if you've got to do three or four road trips, multiple days, you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's like, well, we got to get those on the calendar. It's not like I'm during my busy season, I'm going to drop everything and run off and visit colleges for a week. Um, so there might be a good time and a bad time to be doing that kind of stuff. So if you start planning that early in your junior year and say, all right, we're going to visit local colleges for the next couple months to get our feet wet a little bit, and then during spring break or this teacher conference, because that's the other thing is coordinating the time off that the students have with, you know, mom and so you don't want to have that important business meeting the day your student has off for teacher conferences, because that might be a good day to go visit somewhere, because right. everybody's a, could, could be available. So you lay out that schedule in advance. Testing is another schedule that happens through the junior year. Are you going to take the test once, two, three times? And most kids are taking it at least twice, and some kids are taking the ACT, and some kids are taking the SAT. Uh -huh. um, some people make a bigger deal out of it, and they try both and see which way they do better and, you know, and that's a, a function of, well, you know, how much testing do you want to do and, how, and where are your sites set? If you're saying, I want to get to this school and I need these kind of scores, some kids will take two or three tests shooting for those scores. Yeah. Other people's test, you know, other people's test plan is we're going to take it once or twice and then we're going to choose our colleges based on the results. You know, we're going to do it, you know, so some people say I need my testing to match my colleges. Other people are going to say, I'm going to just choose my colleges to match my testing. Yeah. And again, there's no right or wrong, but some kids are motivated to work hard at it because they want to go to that name brand school or get into the local state school. You know, and here in Wisconsin, Madison, which is our flagship state school, has a pretty high bar. And there's some kids that if they want to go there, got to put their head down and, and do it right because they're right on the bubble and if they work hard, maybe they'll get in. But if they don't work hard, they won't. So that line can be for the local state school, can be for the a name brand, you know, Harvard, Yale kind of pursuits. It just depends on the student. 
Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what you do in your junior year, the visit planning. And then the last area would be scholarships. Are you going to pursue scholarships? Are you going to do, you know, I had one family, they did 40-some scholarship applications. They won seven for $39,000. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a win to me. Yeah. But Absolutely. that's one out of a, you know, that's one out of hundreds that worked that hard and did that much work. I had a lot of kids win two, you know, two scholarships or one scholarship, but to win seven is pretty unusual. Now, if I ask you, how long do you think it, it yeah. would take? Yeah, how long would that take to do forty-one scholarship applications? Wow, you know? <laughs> that's right? like it's not something you seven. knock out in an afternoon. No, it's not. I mean, Sorry. you might get two done in an afternoon, but forty-one. Wow. Right. So it was a huge family project. Mom and dad helped. Now, hopefully they didn't do the essays and that kind of stuff, but they, you know, coordinated, we need letters of recommendation, and we need four copies of this to go to that address by this time. You know, there's a lot of logistics in doing that much paperwork. They helped. They helped find the scholarships. They helped the logistics, and they, you know, made sure the student had time in their schedule to deal with it. Right. Now, if that is in your future, you know, June sophomore, junior, senior year of high school is, is just as busy as you are when you've got that seventh grader and fifth grader, if not worse. So yeah. The idea that, well, we'll do it later when we're less busy, you know, that's a complete fallacy. You're always going to be busy, especially entrepreneurs. So are you going to carve out the time to do that? Because the other end of the spectrum is I've had a lot of people talk about scholarships, but at the end they do zero. They do nothing because they didn't know what they were getting into, and by the time they figured it out, it was too late. They kind of spun their wheels for a few months and said, oh, I realized I should have done this six months ago. Or I realize now that there's really not, I can't find anything that's appropriate for my student or whatever it might be. Um, but I think the right answer for a whole lot of people is to go after the low-hanging fruit. Okay, there may be scholarships at the colleges you're interested in. That would be one area to look. There may be scholarships associated with mom and dad and where they work or play. So if you're in a particular business niche, the association you might belong to might provide scholarships to kids that are belong to that association. You know, if you're, right. you know, firefighters have that type of thing. Uh, accounting, you know, the Wisconsin Accounting Association. I can't remember WICPA, whatever that yeah. organization is. I know what you're as does, you know, there's one in California. So there's a lot of professional organizations. You know, the Dental Association provides scholarships for kids of dentists. And, you know, mm -hmm. so there's lots of, and it's a relatively quick thing. It's like, well, these are the associations I'm involved in. I've got five or six websites to figure out. And very quickly, I'll know yes or no. And if it's yes, then i got to get it figured out. You know, so maybe you're saying, well, I'm going to get scholarships to the college I'm interested in. So there's five colleges I'm applying to. So I need to understand scholarships at those five colleges. I've got two associations that mom and dad are associated with, where, and there's something at our church. And there's a few local things at our high school. And our student happens to be very proficient in karate. They're a black belt in karate. They go to state-level competitions in karate. We probably should figure out if there's something karate-related. Because if there is, you know, our student is relatively highly qualified. And those are the 12 things that we're going to pursue. We're going to look at those 12, and if 
they come up with, you know, whatever we come up with, those are the ones we're going to look at. We're not going to go off and search for Norwegian heritage. Right. You know, because, you know, we're one twelfth Norwegian on our great-grandmother's side because, you know, we're not overly qualified for that. It's just, uh, it might. Now, again, some people would do that, right? Yeah. A busy entrepreneur might say it's not worth our time. We're much better off to go get another customer or start another business or, you know, do something that we know versus trying to figure out something we don't know. There, there's always that side of it, too, because um, I can imagine that a number of people tuning into this topic said, oh, well, yeah, this is interesting, but really, I could just start another business. Well, you know, that's always easier said than done, because if uh, if everybody could just start a business and solve all their financial problems that quickly that way, then we wouldn't need a business creators radio show. We wouldn't need product launches, copywriting, social media, uh, websites. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff we could just get rid of. Because it just wouldn't be right. needed. Because all, all you have to do is say, well, I'll just start a new line of business. That'll fund everything. It's not always that simple. Right. You may be able to do no, it. You, oh, may I, of fortune, you may have a lot of fortune with that and be able to make that happen. And if so, that's ideal. But there's also the situation where uh, you still have kids and they still got to go to college. Right. Absolutely. Right. So that's, you know, I've, and I've seen, and I've given recommendations in both directions. You know, I've seen, you know, the struggling business owner that's like, well, you know, maybe you, you know, you've got to do something different. The business isn't, isn't the answer. And I've seen that person that's saying, you know what, I'm a dentist. I'm really busy. I could fill every other Saturday with appointments and make an extra $5,000. Right. If I'm, you know, so I'd rather spend my Saturdays filling teeth than figuring out how to pursue a scholarship. Right, right. I'll make Junior show up and help like me. That. Right. So it's part of the planning process is just to understand what you can do and where it makes sense. Right. Certainly. Um, so uh, so, so I would say – Good, good. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So that was the one big mistake is just – figuring out getting started early enough so that you have the time. And I wanted to back that up with some examples because to say you need to start early is very cliche. Uh So when I say start early, what does that mean? What do you do? Um, Another big mistake that I see families make is not understanding how much aid they may qualify for. Right. I've had, you know, I've had a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to get any aid. And when we run the numbers, they do get aid. And conversely, I've had people, you know, saying, oh, we're, you know, we're on track to get all kinds of aid because my kid is smart or something, you know, or uh-huh. whatever. And in reality, that doesn't come to fruition either. So I think for a lot of families, it's figuring out, crunching the numbers for need-based aid. I've seen families earning, you know, 75000 a year not qualify for aid. And I've seen families earning 300000 qualify. So it's a lot more than how much did you earn last year. Um, it includes, like I said, income and assets, mom and dad and the student, and also the number of students you have in school, and the price tag of colleges that you're looking at. So I see families where you're not going to qualify at a state school because the cost is low, but if you jump up to a school that costs twice as much, now you're eligible for 20000 in aid. Um, so a lot of people based what they think their aid is going to turn out based on their brother-in-law or person sitting next to them at work or whatever it might be. And 
that's not a legitimate way to do it for a lot of people because you need to understand specifically your particular situation. Yeah. You know, the, the entrepreneur that says, well, I've got a manufacturing firm. I'm struggling right now. My income is, you know, 75000 where it used to be much more. But my business is worth $3 million because all the machinery and inventory I have. Right. So there's no way I'm going to qualify. i got to report. But in reality, you're not going to report the business. Yeah. So your assumption is wrong, and it's going to be, you know, you might qualify. So either find someone that can help you figure out if the process or put the time and effort into doing it and figuring out if you're going to qualify for need-based aid and if you're going to qualify for merit aid. What does it take to qualify for merit aid? Do you, does your student have the criteria? And merit aid could fall under all kinds of criteria, from the high academic achiever again, to that black belt in karate to an athlete that's going to get some sort of help because of the athletics, a performing artist, um, ethnicity and geography come into play, you know, minority status, all the different things that are reasons that you may get aid. And sometimes it's dependent on choosing the right school. Right. Um, as far as that is concerned. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're giving us so much information here. Now, um, this is this, this very interesting here, and this almost never happens, is people have emailed us questions for you. We almost never get questions on the email. Occasionally we get them on the fan page. Uh, occasionally somebody I know is, you know, who's close enough to me uh, is uh, listening and they find me on Skype or something like that. But we've gotten email questions here. And uh, here's the first one. The first one is, you know, and they, and they say, you know, you asked about, the, or you mentioned that you can create tuition reimbursement programs for your children can you also offer scholarships for children through your company and make sure they win? No. Okay. Uh, is the short answer. That's um, You can create scholarships um, and provide them, but there has to be enough of an applicant pool, and the judging has to be arm's length. You know, So as an example, a large corporation like Walmart could say, well, children of our employees are eligible for scholarships. Um, and there's enough applicants that it's not rigged, so to speak. You know, they're going to get a thousand applicants, and five are going to win because they've got so many employees and so many children of employees that it's a wide open field. Right. You take your small business and you say, well, children of my employees, I've got seven employees, and by the way, I'm the only one with children, and certainly the only one that's going to apply. Right. That I think that's kind you of know, where they may have been going with this, actually. Yeah, because because right. you heard me, I was paraphrasing the question. I didn't give it to you exactly like it was typed to me. Right, so that is not going to work out. Right. So it's got to be, and then the judging has to be at arm's length as well. So you could say, well, I run a, well, I might get 20 applicants or 50 applicants, so it's not a guaranteed conclusion that my kid is going to win, except I'm the judge. Now I'm pretty sure he's going to win. Right. That doesn't work either. So it's probably not a good route for most businesses. Uh, tuition reimbursement is much more likely to be effective. Okay. All right, here, here's, an, here's another question. Uh, somebody is asking, since we're able to do, I, th I think we got a real latch on with this whole idea of setting up tuition reimbursement programs for your own kids. I think that's great. So this other question, I think, was also triggered by that because they're saying if you can set up a tuition reimbursement program, can you also set up a student loan program and have your business loan your kid the money and they can repay your business? 
that one would potentially work. I mean, you can give it. You can give a loan. I mean, your business could give loans to just about anybody. I would think. Right. Um, I'd have to run that past your accountant, but and it'd have to be at a a fair market rate. Um, but it's not unusual for the for the businesses to give the owners loans because of cash flow situations where you don't want to take a dividend or a payment. You just want the money for a short time and you and then you put it back. So I think you could do a similar thing to outsiders. Um, your business, of course, then could lose the money. Right. Because your children don't pay it back. Yeah, I mean, with any loan, there's always risk when you become a lending institution that way. But you know, I and I and when I read the question, I thought that was pretty interesting because maybe you just don't want to give the kids the money. Uh, you may have some additional revenue that you can put in that general direction, and uh, but you might want them to pay it back. Like you want to may want to teach them res some responsibility at that level. It's like you know, I'll fund this, but you owe me. So you're saying that right. theoretically it may very well be possible, but our listeners should not interpret that as you saying yes in every situation, and they really need to not consider that official financial advice, but to go to their actual financial advisor or hire you to do it or whatever, but actually get official financial, legal, and accounting advice on that. Right. Yeah, I mean, when you get into corporate law and which corporations are allowed to lend to who, I, I have no idea. I mean, that's something that you have to research and look up, work with your accountant on, and that kind of stuff. But I think there's a, a kernel of an idea there that might work out for some. Sure. Uh, how many of these strategies can you implement at once? Like, uh, let's say you have the you know the student working for you, you're paying them a salary or a wage, you have the tuition reimbursement. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing you can do all this stuff at once. And you can apply it all yeah. to the same child. Just want to confirm that, that because uh, you know sometimes when like when you're taking deductions in your business in general, that there are certain things you're able to do, but certain other things you better leave alone. Yes. Well, yeah, that's also true. You know, again, you can do them all at the same time. Whether or not it makes sense, and there might be a, a gotcha in there somewhere, depending on the type of business you have and the classes of employees that you have and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, it's pretty common that, you know, by definition, a tuition reimbursement plan is for employees. So you almost have to have your kids as employees right? in order to do that. Um, I guess the exception to that, I have seen some uh, businesses that hire young kids that, you know, typically have high school kids as employees. They set up a tuition reimbursement plan for the future. Let's say if you work for us while you're in high school, we're going to build some funds for you when you eventually go to college. Uh-huh. Um, and that has helped with retention, where the, the parents get a statement that says, we've got you know $800 set aside for college for this kid, as long as he vests and works for us for the full two years. And right. kids are saying, I'm, I don't want to be there anymore. I'm going to quit. It's like, no, you're not quitting. You've got no. $800 there. You're gonna stick it out. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it's like it's like uh, it's like this is your part-time job. This is where you work. Right. If you don't, if right, you if, that, you, if you if you go get another part-time job that uh, that takes away from your ability to work here, then you're not gonna get to college, basically. Right. Exactly. So, but I've seen you know where kids are where businesses are using the tuition reimbursement plan not only for their own employees, but as a way to retain other high school kids because that's the core of their business. They're operating an ice cream shop, let's say. Oh, yeah. And half their employees are high school kids. And they're saying, if we set up this plan, 
our turnover goes down, and therefore we save a lot of money in training and so forth, and instead we provide college benefits. So the college benefits cost us, but they cost us a lot less than the turnover, so we're happy to do it. You know, I, um, I, I worked I worked in fast food, uh, I, ironically given my current situation, but uh, I worked in a fast food place for five years. You know, that was basically my part-time job going through college, and you know, it has its, its, its charms, I guess. Uh, but I will tell you that uh, I was, and I'm not saying this to brag, I'm just saying what it was, I was one of the few actual good employees that showed up and did a good job. Uh, mostly what you had were... Um, teenagers and such and i'm not trying to generalize but i'm just saying what i saw with my own eyes and the mess that i was i was constantly asked to clean up who would come in and do a half-assed job and they would spend the whole time of their shift whining that they didn't want to be there or that be or they wouldn't even be punched in yet and they'd already be asking management if sales were low that day and maybe they could cut labor and they could go home early uh they would come to me and say well you know so and so really wants to go to this party and uh is there any chance that we could just send them home early so we don't have to give them a break and you could work longer and you know i i was stretched beyond my limits on this it's like i didn't know how he got to be so indispensable and believe me i reminded that them, them that uh but anyway uh, but anyway what i'm getting at is from a management perspective i can see how frustrating that is you have a pool of employees that basically all they ever want to do is go home so yep. could you exactly. use a tuition reimbursement program as a way of getting them to just suck it up and grow some adulthood and come in and do a good job yes I mean, that's one thing, because they've got something on the line now. Yeah. But even beyond that is now you're getting the college-bound kid that says, hey, I'm going to do this my sophomore, junior, and senior year of high school so that I have some funds for college. I see the benefit. And that might be a slightly better employee than somebody that's in high school that you know, doesn't have those plans and isn't looking to their future. Right. And then right. I've seen it where – these college kids then come back in the summers when you need extra help, or they come back during Christmas when you need extra help. Yeah. And they're already trained. They pitch in for a few weeks when they can, and, it just, you know, it's just a helpful, you know, for business in general. Continuing um, to use fast food as an example, uh, what I saw mm -hmm. in the store I worked in is there were – I'm going to just pull off the top of my head – something like maybe seven people who were hourly who worked basically full-time – uh, they were mostly assigned to the day shift. There were one or two in the evening shift. And when the kids were off at school or whatever, or back in college or what have you, or, you know, just all the stuff that comes up with high school, like, you know, like, you know, being on the team or, or taking the senior trip or, or, you know, whatever it were practice or band camp or whatever it was, weren't there all the time. So the, the, shall we say, and I'm just going to, use the term so we can have a conversation here the adults so to speak would work full-time sometimes overtime but you know after all that work and it could be pretty grueling they might like some time off maybe actual days off or maybe they just want to ease up for a little bit around the holidays so what's really cool about that is you have these awesomely trained students that worked for you for two years that were college oriented that recognized that them putting in time and doing a good job was an investment and as you said they're already trained they can come back in i mean when i worked at that at that store they loved when i came back from break because they could give the openers a break i was one of the few non-adults so to speak who knew how to do opening procedures 
right? Which exactly. was nice, which was so, nice because I could move in on I can move in on the plum shifts. I could get all the good stuff. Right, exactly. So I think that's a, an underutilized opportunity as well. So if people want to learn more, you know, track me down and we can point you in the right direction. Yeah, and not, and not just food or restaurants, but I imagine we have a lot of people who listen to the Business Creators Radio Show that have the type of business where there is labor involved. Uh, whether it's right. uh, and, and, it, and it could be retail people or it could be the folks who manage your social media. I mean, there's a lot of different places where we could look at people who are, at least to that degree, transitional or do it part time based on their own need. You could really build yourself something here. And, and who knows, maybe after they after they finish college, they might just want to make a career with your company. So you could be building your future employees literally from from scratch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So on so on the back end on the back end of this, and you know, we only just have a couple minutes left. It's been an outstanding interview. Time has really flown. Is uh, if you know when people offer tuition reimbursement programs for their kids or anything like that, or you know, just because they're hiring teenagers with college aspirations or something like that, are there any additional tax opportunities that people might want to check with their accountant on that you know they may be able to take up on? Uh, not that I'm aware of, to be honest with right. you. Other than, the, like I said, other than the tuition reimbursement plans, I don't know if there's anything else that's directed towards college. Right. Um, that I'm aware of, no. Okay, well that that's cool, and I and I imagine with the tuition reimbursement plans that you're talking about, it's where you give them the money within the confines of a paycheck, and they have to pay taxes on it like it's income. No, no, it's tax free oh, to the really? student, tax deductible to the business. Ah, okay. That's what I was getting right. at. That's have, a good distinction. Yes. So it's it, tax benefits all around, and you can put some vesting schedules on it and some of those kinds of things, which then encourage, you know, again, to deal with the turnover problem. So that would be – so that's if you have stranger employees. You know, I want to help my high school kids go to college and benefit my business. And you'd right. structure the plan completely differently if you're saying, well, the tuition reimbursement plan is primarily because of my own kids. Then you would, you know, wouldn't need a vesting schedule. You wouldn't need to do, you know, then you'd be more generous potentially. Um, so there's two different ways to use that plan, uh, depending on what your goals are. I am so glad I asked that question because uh, I was thinking that there was, was taxation involved. I, when I, uh, worked for a company while I was going to graduate school, I got tuition reimbursement where I applied for it and then I got the funds at the end of the semester, but it was treated like income and I had to pay taxes on it. And it was like whenever the distribution was ready, they just threw it in along with that paycheck I was going to get anyway. Yeah. No, so, it, this is different. If they didn't set up the formal plan then properly, because if they set up the formal plan, up to $5,250 could be transferred to students Tax-free to the student, still deductible to the business, which is the best of both worlds. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's something about their particular tax structure I don't know, or maybe they were just really ding-dongs about it. I'm not really sure, because even I questioned that at the time. And what you're saying is is you can transfer money from your business to your children through a tuition reimbursement program, and it's tax-deductible to your business, and there's no tax for – there's and there's no tax owed by your child either. 
up to Correct. a certain dollar amount. Because, yeah, because with the tuition reimbursement program at that company I worked for, it was the same thing. I mean, there was a cap on it. I can't remember if it was like 5000 or 6000 but it was actually somewhere in that range. Uh, and it was it was really based per semester. And it was structured in such a way so that if you did a winter spring and summer semester and you got reimbursed for all three of those it would add up to that that cap mm -hmm. yeah okay all right great so uh so brad uh, we have about three minutes left here as i said it's been an amazing interview and i imagine that uh, we have some parents and maybe even some students on the line here who uh would like to maybe take this to the next level so uh what's the best way to engage with you and how can you help our business creators all right, so I have a podcast and website at tamingthehighcostofcollege.com. I like it. Yeah, so check got, it out. It's a good podcast. Right. I've got a number of different uh, interviews there as well as some solo shows where we talk about college planning and, and that kind of stuff. So a lot of good information there. I also offer a we, – we talked a little bit about scholarships earlier. So I have a um, scholarship guide for busy parents, which is an another – it's a video series, so it's four videos that we email to you um, once a day for four days. So if you sign up for that with, a, with your email at tamingthehighcostofcollege.com slash scholarships. Yeah. Um, otherwise, at the Taming website, you certainly can contact us directly or send me an email at brad at tamingthehighcostofcollege.com um, or track us down however you'd like, and we'd be happy to help where we can. Awesome, awesome. So uh, I just want to say thanks again. Um, everybody who's been listening to uh, Brad Baldridge of TamingTheHighCostOfCollege.com. And Brad, let me just say personally, on a personal note, thank you so much. This has been an honor and quite an education. All right. Well, thank you for having me. I hope we will talk again soon. All right. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please be sure to check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com, as well as iTunes, where we help you win at the game of business and marketing. And look at that. My voice just barely made it to the finish line. So I'm going to go rest it now. Everybody else, take heed of what we shared with you today. 